Okay, now welcome back. Today's podcast is going to be a bit interesting. It's going to be a little bit long. So I want to first say, try to bear with me here because what I'm going to condense in this podcast is going to consist of things that are extremely important uh, to pretty much every single living human being on the planet. Uh, so uh, that's not, you know, I know you want to target your audience and have a, you know, a specific you know, target market, but I'm just telling all of you right now that what I'm about to share is going to be relevant for everybody, you know, so everyone just needs to pay attention, uh, you know, steer clear of any bias and uh, just really hear me out and then you can ask questions and we can dive even deeper into it. Uh, but one of the first things I wanted to mention is that if you're catching this on Facebook, you can take, you can listen to the whole episode, which I will post after this live video is over. Uh, so if you're watching live, then you'll see how we'll post in the comments the full episode. I'll do Apple and I'll even do Spotify this time. That's where the majority of my audience is. So you'll get the full episode available in the comments below if you're watching this, you know, currently. Uh, so with that being said, it's so weird. It says I've been running for 16 minutes already on here. That's really interesting. Um, okay. So if anybody's watching take a uh, take a second to leave a comment and let me know that you are watching and have I been like on I don't even know on hold or something this whole time just wanted to check I know for the podcast listeners you guys are probably confused as to what's going on so if you are watching live let me know that everything's coming crystal clear and that you can hear everything I'm saying uh, and then I'm not 16 minutes into this video I'm actually like barely a minute two minutes uh, but anywho so moving on from that um, look I mean the first thing I'll mention is this. So I've, I've recently looked at some of the ratings on the podcast and I've noticed that people who really probably have never heard the podcast um, and who just, you know, leave bad ratings just as a way of attacking the content, which is interesting because I'm sure none of those people would ever even take the time to debate the things I say or even want to have a dialogue, which is fine. Uh, but we've had some people leave some bad reviews, literally one star, right? I don't, I mean, I know my podcast is, you know, it's, it's okay. It's good. I don't think it's terrible, right? So one star seems to be pretty uh, politically motivated uh, and just, you know, with hate in your heart on that one, obviously. So if you're listening to this, you definitely enjoy the podcast. And if you haven't left a five-star rating, it takes two seconds, literally just go down, swipe on the main Matrix Breakers uh, podcast and just hit five stars. And if you're really awesome, leave a review, tell me what you love about the podcast, and uh, you know that will really help me improve, but also let me know what's really appreciated. But also it, it will help the algorithm on the rating system because for some reason I lost my five star, like I said, because random people have just like rapidly you know, pressed the one star button when they probably have never even heard the podcast, which is the most sad thing. I don't think I've ever really done that. Uh, in my life, actually, is just put like a one star on something or or dislike something. Um, but anyway, if you could do that and you're listening to this right now, really appreciate it. So while I'm going off on this whole deal, um, you guys can take that second to uh, leave a rating. So that is awesome. Thank you, Anthony, for letting me know about the uh, Facebook. All right. So let's just let me address something really quick. It's been on my heart. Uh, the vaccine. Look, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you, you know, you you'd probably get into you would probably get a hint that I well, of my thoughts on the vaccine. I clearly do not think it's even um, even if it was a perfect vaccine. 
I just don't think you need it. You know what I mean? I just don't think you need it. I, I, there are other ways, which we'll get to, uh, to avoid COVID-19, definitely to avoid dying of COVID-19. So I just want to say up front, uh, the vaccine is going to be an issue. Uh, it's already becoming an issue. It has killed people, okay, according to the CDC, right? So I'm not even just throwing that out there. Uh, but if you look at it, not just beyond the uh, the numbers coming in from you know the, the CDC, but if you look at it with a an unbiased opinion, you will see even higher numbers. We're in the thousands of people who have already died just straight up taking the vaccine. Uh, and so it does depend on what vaccine you take. I want to say that there are apparently three of them. You know, there's Pfizer, which is the one backed by Bill Gates. There's Moderna, which is more of like a Fauci organization there, pushed by Fauci, which is no no better than Bill Gates, by the way. And then there's the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So not too sure exactly what the Johnson and Johnson one is all about. It was just approved, I think, this last week. Um, but you know, again, I'll just address it now. The vaccine, you don't need it. Okay, you don't need it. You, and and this is without even knowing that the vaccine doesn't actually even work, right? And that's why um, one of the vaccine makers, I think it's a portion of Moderna or something like that, they basically just backed out of, of even making the vaccine because it's like, it's a flu vaccine. It, the flu, we could never get a vaccine for the flu. We cannot, we can't isolate this this virus enough to even make an accurate vaccine. You know, there's just, there's just no way to do it. Right. Um, obviously another, another minute, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the financial matrix today. So I'm actually just going into the health matrix here a little bit, but, um, look, I mean, the vaccine wasn't even tested using human trials. You know, we are the guinea pigs. What it's being, the people it's being rolled out on right now, the elderly and and the essential workers, which is like a, a a communist term if you want to look at it like that. They are the guinea pigs. They are the ones who are getting this first. So they're the first humans to even get this. We have no clue about short term side effects. Now we're getting a clue on that. By the way, okay, we are getting a clue on that. People actually dying. People having side effects. People having Bell's palsy, which half their face is paralyzed. Um, all kinds of issues happening from taking the side of, from taking the vaccine uh, we don't even know the long term effects okay no long term effects because this is brand new okay so i just want everybody to consider that for a second here it's not tested on humans okay you don't need it number 1 you don't even need it okay number 2 the vaccine makers themselves say it doesn't work okay it doesn't it's not effective you know it's not going to if you're exposed to covid-19 and you have a weak immune system and you're vaccinated, you will probably more than likely still get COVID-19 and still experience all of the same effects that anybody who doesn't have the vaccine would have, okay? So that's the that's the second part, is that it, it doesn't even work, okay? Here's the third part. It's the toxicity in the vaccines, okay? Which has been documented heavily going into it, um, going into this whole thing. Everybody's been, you know, saying, okay, look, you know, this vaccine's a problem, well, we were saying that, hey, look, I was kind of saying, look, we already know it's a problem, but, you know, whatever, you know, people want to take it, they want to take it. That's literally their own decision, right? Well, the fourth problem I would say with this vaccine is that they're trying to make it mandatory, okay? They're trying to make it mandatory if you want to work somewhere, if you want to go travel, obviously, if you want to travel abroad, most definitely, they're going to make it mandatory uh, if you want to leave the country again, okay? Uh, it's just like... um 
well, they're not even man. You know, they don't make it like tetanus or anything like mandatory if you go to India or something. But they highly, highly, highly recommend that you take certain vaccines if you leave the country to go to certain other countries. Uh, that's that's just the way it is. But they, you don't have to, right? Well, what's happening now with this medical tyranny is you're going to have to have the vaccine. Uh, the Senate has talked openly about vaccine passports. I think they even renamed it to like travel pass or something like that. They're just there's all this, you know, there's jargon about, you know, forcing you to take the vaccine, basically making it to where if you don't have the vaccine, you will not be able to do regular life, right? Uh, their, their, their real assault will be on all entertainment. You know, if you want to go to this movie theater, this company is requiring the vaccine to be, you know, taken by everybody. Uh, if you want to go to this music venue or this festival, this music festival, well, you have to have a vaccine passport, a little QR code that proves that you've got vaccinated. And then of course you go down the rabbit hole even more and they say, oh, well, you know, the QR code could be, you know, could be hacked, right? Or it could be fake. And so we actually need a tattoo or some kind of digital mark on people to verify that they are vaccinated because you, you know, we don't want to have them, you know, uh, make fake, you know, usernames or passwords or something on some kind of vaccine passport. We got to make sure that person has the vaccine if they get on the plane or come to the concert or whatever. And so that's the fourth major issue with this vaccine. So I bring that up because I don't know why, but I'm realizing, and I've gotten told this by now more friends. I've, I just see friends, family, uh, family friends taking the vaccine. I mean, it's just, it actually like hurt me to think that they would even take it. Um, considering the, their beliefs on other things, you know, that they would actually take this vaccine. It made me really realize that, um, uh, people who even who people who they consider themselves, you know, awake and and, you know, out of the matrix a little bit, they're taking the vaccine. I mean, I just was kind of stunned. And so um, just telling you guys right now that I highly recommend not taking it. OK, I highly recommend not taking it. Um, and so just uh, I'm wondering if Facebook's ever going to kick me off for saying something like that. Right. Uh, but I just recommend not taking it. OK. And uh, to top that off, I just. I want to say what you can do instead. Okay. This is, this is the deal I'll make with you. Okay. I'm going to tell you what you can do instead. This is going to be brief before the podcast even gets started here. Okay. That's, that's, that's what I'm telling y'all now. We're already like 10 minutes into them. I'm about, I'm about to get this all started, but I wanted to mention that up front. Okay. Don't, don't take this vaccine. This is my advice to you. Don't do it. Don't be the first. Don't be the last. Don't, don't, don't even just let it all play out. Okay. Let it all play out. And I understand if you need a job, whatever, just, just go play with the, Go with the flow, see what happens, but just don't just jump into the into this uh, cesspool, okay? So I want to just mention this, okay? Uh, look, you, you guys need to take care of your health, okay? So I would say, you know, oh, okay, don't take the vaccine. Oh, okay, you say, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be protected. That is such a weak mindset. I've, I can't even begin to explain how weak it is. You have to realize the power of your body. You have to realize, even with what we know with COVID, right, is you've probably been exposed to it already, okay? If you've already had it, then, well, you've already had it. So you know what it was like, right? So why would you go and take a vaccine? Okay, here's that next step. Instead of worrying about a vaccine, if you want to be worried about COVID, if you want to live in fear, I understand. 
why don't you take offensive measures to protect yourself and your immune system, okay? And so for those of you listening to this podcast, I'm going to leave a link directly to the Healthy Body Start Pack with Longevity. It's got the 90 essential nutrients in it. You've heard me on the podcast talk about the 90 essential nutrients briefly before. I need you to take it more seriously, and I need you to consider getting yourself on the 90 essential nutrients. A lot of people listening have already bought the products, have already you know enjoyed the products long-term, and they see the, the benefits, yada, yada. That's awesome. I congratulate you. Highly recommend you you share this with others, right? Because they need to get on the 90 essential nutrients. That's number one. The, what, what, are, what are nutrients going to do for you? Well, they're neutrifying your body, your cellular uh, the cellular division, the cellular function, okay, down to the cellular level, they require water, oxygen, a, a clean place to work, and nutrition. That's what a cell needs. That is your health. I'm talking about even white blood cells, which are part of your lymphatic system, which is a part of your immune system, okay? Vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and other essential minerals, essential vitamins and amino acids. They help with your immune system. They help protect you from every kind of virus, every kind of infection because our bodies are healing systems. When you put the ingredients that are the that is the makeup of our bodies in our in our well, it is the makeup of our body, if you consume it by supplementation, okay, which is a guarantee. So instead of just eating healthy by supplementing you are guaranteeing yourself the 90 essential nutrients, you will be protected. Does that make any sense? You you will be optimum. So I'm asking everyone here to live optimally, okay? Take these products. I'm just telling you right now. I'm going to leave the link in the podcast description. Take the 90 essential nutrients. And in addition, if you really are afraid, okay, well, I'm going to start with this one. I need to just tell you right now, this is a good plug the ultimate colloidal silver, okay? You need the colloidal silver. I'm gonna put a separate link, even if you just wanna get colloidal silver, it's like 30 bucks at wholesale, okay? You can you can text me, call me, email me, message me on social media to find out how to get the right products, the right price, I will tell you. And don't just go on Amazon to get this stuff because number one is you're gonna get a less version of it. Why are you buying inferior products at Whole Foods? I'm asking you a real question. Why are you buying inferior supplements? When you buy supplements, why aren't you buying from Longevity, right? I mean, first time ever hearing it for some of you, maybe. So now you get a chance to take a look at Longevity supplements through through my link, right? Um, but if you've heard of the Longevity supplements and you've you've heard it from me for sure, uh, and you're not on them, I'm I'm very confused personally. I'm not offended. I'm just confused. Like why are you? Because I know a lot of people listening to this are woke, right? They listen to this and they they're supplementing. They're taking care of themselves. My question to you is, why aren't you buying the best supplements? Why aren't you? getting the gold standard, right? And so let me just say that up front. So colloidal silver, you need it, okay? I have been taking colloidal silver ever since the pandemic began. If I ever felt just an itch in my throat, a little something, right? Or just, you know, you feel, your body tells you stuff, right? When I feel anything, I take a whole dropper full of colloidal silver, okay? Immediately. And colloidal silver, okay, just so you understand, okay? Silver... Think of silverware. 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 Why was it called silverware? Now, not all silverware is silver now, right? Because it would be 
so expensive. But original silverware was silver, okay? And it was only for royalty, you know what I mean? And, and, and if you ever bought a silverware set, have you ever seen those like silverware, like the real ones? They're worth, they're, now they're worth not just hundreds of, I mean, in some cases, silverware is worth a thousand, couple thousand dollars for a badass set of silverware. Why is that? Because silverware is actually real silver. It was, I mean, it's based in real silver. Not all the silverware we see today, which is made by plastics and other things and petroleum. I'm talking about silverware, the actual name of it, okay? Why is it silver? Silver is antibacterial, okay? So when you eat food with silver, literally, it's antibacterial. So they would, in the ancient days, you know, they would even, not even ancient, but just in prior history, you know, throughout the, you know, I, I guess you could say centuries so the, the past previous centuries they've been using silverware to eat because it's silver is antibacterial colloidal silver is nano silver particles that are ingestible right but if you ate a silver dollar you'd die from poison right but and this is just the way they get you this is the way they get you now i'm going down this rabbit hole for a second but hydroxychloroquine remember that whole thing and quinine and all that why do you think that was under attack it was under attack and they they, they did a bill gates study on all of this on the silver, or I'm sorry, on the hydroxychloroquine, and they said that, oh my gosh, if you if you take hydroxychloroquine, you get heart, you know, you get heart issues and heart disease, heart failure, whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, because in those test trials, if you actually read the whole test, you find out that they are overdosing them on hydroxychloroquine. They're taking they're taking amounts in milligrams that are like way more than you actually need. So of course you're gonna find some kind of effects. Okay, so same thing with silver. Some people, like, oh my gosh, that's poison, right? No, but colloidal silver is nano silver. Okay, you absolutely need it. Something that I've been taking ever since the pandemic, and I've never been diagnosed with COVID. Okay, I'm not saying that it stopped me from getting COVID, but I guarantee you that I've been exposed to COVID. Does that make any sense? Because my body's healthy, because I've been on on you know the the 90 essential nutrients, I've been better. Okay. The last thing I'll mention is zinc. Look, this is a this is a liquid form of zinc that we have in the store. So I'm going to send a direct link to the zinc and a direct link to the colloidal silver. Zinc has all kinds of benefits. Yes, it's it's essential for your for your immune system as well. So really no reason to get to not get the zinc and have the colloidal silver just in your medicine cabinet just in case, okay? Just in case. So I just want to mention that as a plug for the podcast, okay? This cuz I, I don't normally plug, but I just feel like especially for those who are actually afraid of COVID or they feel like they don't want to get the vaccine, but they do want to get back to normal and they don't want to wear the mask anymore. Look, if you're going to be that way, you should just be healthy. So I'm asking you to be a health warrior, okay? A health warrior. So, okay, let's get this rolling, right? We're already like 20 minutes in, but that is okay because if you're sticking with me, it is absolutely worth it. And I hope that beginning part it is important, okay? It is important because we've got to address some major issues that are happening currently to make sure that we're protected, that we're taken care of. So I want to mention that now. Okay, so the financial matrix emerges, right? The first point I want to talk about is how how they're reorganizing the economy, okay? Uh, the first thing we'll get into is really just the systematic destruction of small businesses and really what that means is ultimately the middle class, okay? So it is a, uh, you would call it a vertical integration where they're getting the, the middle class 
and you are either from the middle class or upper middle class, you're either becoming super wealthy right now um, if you are in the right industries, if you are essential, right, um, or if you worked for the government. I mean, just think about this. No politician has lost a paycheck during this entire pandemic. No politician. So if you're in the government bureaucrat class, then all of a sudden you become the most important person and you've got your check and you've got your pay, okay? Maybe maybe, uh, maybe teachers, I don't know if teachers were getting their pay. But the point is if you worked for the government and the bureaucracy, you're, you're getting paid. So you become in the wealthy class, right? Whereas the small business owners, the people just building something, the bakery owner, the salon owner, um, the person who's welding, the person who's got a shop, the person who's just a regular retail uh, thrift shop or something like that, these businesses are all going under, right? Uh, because of what's been happening with, with, with COVID, but not because of COVID, okay? But it's because of government shutdowns. That is why we are experiencing what we are experiencing. There is no law to this day in the United States anywhere that is... Uh, basically legalizing the rights for the government to infringe on commerce, on your business, on capacity limits, on masks, on any of it, okay? There is no law at all. So it's all color of law, totally made up, and all of these fines and different things don't mean anything, but the fear of it and the media propaganda around COVID, it is doing a number on the public. You know, there is a large portion of the public. I don't even want to say it's the majority, but it's it's a large portion of the public that are still genuinely afraid of the virus. They love the mask and they don't want to they don't want to support small businesses even if even if they were open, right? Uh but that's that's you know, that's besides the point, right? Because at the end of the day, the government still comes in and tries to threaten everybody to shut down regardless, okay? So what's happening now is this, the destruction, really, of small businesses, okay? The other thing is the failing of the music industry. You know, when I look, when I think of artists, you know, musicians and stuff, I do, I, look, I think of mavericks, you know what I mean? I think of, you know, the 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 rock stars, the punk rocks, the, the, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um... They are, it's, it's uh, the word I'm looking for. It, it's like they're against the culture, right? They're, they're trendsetters, you know, uh, they're actually going out and leading, right? They're, whether it's by fashion or by the, the things they say, or the, the things they, that their lyrics, you know, whatever it is, the music industry is full of creativity and art and, and just, it's just beauty, right? Well, it's, it's amazing to me that I've seen no real musicians stand up and say, I'm having a concert. I don't care about this lockdown. This is all ridiculous. I'm going to go all out and make something of this opportunity where everyone's locked down. I'm going to, you know, music cures the soul. Music really does help the individual as much as the collective. And it's important to have, you know, zooming on your favorite DJ's kitchen is not the future. That is not where the music industry needs to go. So for all intents and purposes, the music industry is failing. The music industry is dying. And I'm wondering, where are the leadership? Where are the leaders in the music industry? Where's the leadership, okay? Why aren't we having concerts? Why is there not some massive music festival somewhere in Florida or in South Dakota 
where they're opening up, where they've been open in South Dakota, for example, why isn't anybody leading? And if so, maybe there are people that are there that are having concerts, that are doing things, maybe I haven't done enough research about it, but I'm really just curious why the music industry is, is just committing suicide. They are the ones that are hurt the most because at concert venues and stuff, it's never been more okay to smell like BO and be extremely close to somebody than it is at a concert, okay? That's the only social setting that you will accept standing next to somebody who smells like shit, okay? Let's just be honest. So that's the concert industry. That's the entertainment industry, but it's failing. And it's just like, this is, and they're under attack because this is a direct assault on entertainment, you know? And of course, I would say, uh, including in that would be the the uh, the sports industry, right? Sports and competition is what brings people together uh, and apart, right? Because I mean, you got your favorite team, right? Um, but you know, more than anything, the the the, the NBA and the NFL just totally following uh, in the footsteps of this bureaucracy, shutting everything down. Like that is not leadership. You know, where is the where is the sports team that's got some real leadership and says, look, I mean, this COVID thing is totally blown out of proportion. We're losing money. We're losing. This industry's dying. We need to bring us back out of this. Where is that leadership? I keep, I'm going to emphasize leadership quite a bit in this because that's what we're looking for. It just takes a little leadership for somebody to change the game. Okay. Uh, now, what about the destruction of the seminar and personal development industry? For those of you who know me, look. I mean, I've been going to to seminars and and personal growth. Uh, you know, events and things like that for, you know, just over like seven years, you know, and, uh, you know, just getting the opportunity to, I guess you could say, uh, you know, learn from some of the masterminds in the world, from some of the most successful entrepreneurs, some of the most successful businessmen, businesswomen, and uh, salespeople and all of this. I mean, it changed my life forever. Right. And so, you know, we're, we're witnessing like, oh yeah, let's just zoom and, 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 you know, it's all BS. And you know, who called it all out is Tony Robbins, right? One of the, I would say the leader, but one of the biggest leaders in the personal development world, right? When you think of like doing your best and setting goals and, and, and creating a life you want, you do think of Tony Robbins a little bit, right? He's kind of the, the master at that. Well, video went viral of him on his sort of, you know, his Zoom call set where he's doing his Unleash the Power Within event, but he's doing it virtually, right? It's all virtual. And he's sitting there explaining, look, the death numbers from 2020 are, are the same as 2019. And I've just, we're, we just got to realize, that, you know, we are living in fear. And when you live in fear, you're not going to be able to accomplish the things that you want out of life. You know, that's how he sounds. I don't know if that's a good Tony Robbins impression, but that's basically what he was saying, right? Is we're living in fear. It's, it's everything. This is amazing for him to say, because uh, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It's amazing for him because, you know, he does preach that. You know what I mean? He is, he's all about that. Don't live in fear. Don't let your, your fears control you, your subconscious fears, your, 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 uh, you know, re got to reprogram your subconscious mind to accept success and to accept this, the, the talents and abilities that you have and blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, that's been Tony Robbins's message for years. And so it actually was very refreshing to hear him totally calling out the COVID hoax that it is. And I'm not saying there's no virus. I'm not saying that no one's died of a virus, you know, God bless our souls. Uh, but what I am saying is that you don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. I can make so many different, uh, analogies here, but you just don't destroy the, the economy of the world 
to stop a virus spreading. You know, you just don't do that. And I've been saying this now for over a year and a lot of people have been saying this, but I'm just saying that this is, this is all by design. So you're going to see that in a second. So where's the personal development? Okay, Tony, you say it's, it's, it's kind of BS and we're all living in fear. Well, I dare Tony Robbins to say, fuck it. We're going to have a unleash the power within event. It's going to be in Florida, Texas, or South Dakota, or maybe Mississippi, one of these one of these states that are open. Okay, uh, it's going to be in one of those states, and we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to do it in a city uh, that's not run by uh, by Democrats. I hate to say that too. That's just so sad. But they have to do it in Lubbock, Texas, or some shit. Do it at the convention center in Lubbock, Texas. That's an all Republican district. They've had you know they don't have the mask mandate or anything. I'm just. Maybe I'm totally wrong about Lubbock. I'm not sure. But the point is, is you got to find some town, some small city, and just say, hey, we're going to do this huge, massive seminar, three days, packed house, no capacity limits. We're going all out. Don't live in fear. This is it. This is the unleash from the slavery within. I, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. I dare Tony Robbins to do that. See, that's called leadership. Leadership is the next step because he's already talked about it now. He's openly talked about how it's a hoax. Now he needs to take that leap of faith, Tony. Take your leap of faith over your firewalk, okay, that I've done at one of those Dallas programs. Why don't you walk the coals? I'm asking Tony Robbins to walk the hot coals of public opinion by hosting the event. Lead, Tony. If you're the leader of personal development, lead the personal development industry and get people together again and start doing seminars, okay? I just... That's what I want for Tony Robbins to do because if he does it, other people will do it. So who's going to be the first, all right? Who's going to be the first? That's the question you need to be asking yourself, which of course I would say, look in the mirror, okay? For anybody listening to this, you are people that love personal development. You are people that are not in the matrix. You are people that are leaders. I think you're a leader. That's what I assume you are, okay? So I would say you should host your own goal-setting workshop or your own event at your house, okay? Whether that means it's a barbecue party or something or it could be a real personal development thing. You should host something. You should commit to being better in the community. So let me just say that. Okay, so the other part of the economy that's being destroyed is the healing arts industry, okay, uh, which does deal somewhat in personal development, personal growth. I would say that's part of a healing art, right? Uh, but healing arts like massage, you know what I mean? And, and this, this, this high-touch business, you know, that, that's very physical, rehab, rehabilitations, uh, these, these, these wellness spas and these, you know, these places where you're touched, you're, you're intimate with people. Uh, especially one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, I would say massage being just more focused because you're really, you're literally digging into somebody, you know, as I would live with masseuses here, uh, but you're really like touching people. I mean, so where in this, in this economy, where is that allowed? It's, it's not allowed, you know? Uh, I know massage parlors are, are somewhat open. They're all wearing masks and stuff, uh, which is contrary to the whole thing because you're clearly, the massage therapist is clearly rubbing you down and massaging you, uh, wearing a mask on. So again, do, 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 okay. Uh, but where is the healing arts industry? The healing arts industry is destroyed by design, of course, because, you know, they don't want you taking vitamin D or, 
or, or zinc or vitamin C or getting out in the sun or doing anything like that. Don't, don't do anything natural. God forbid. Uh, you know, they want everyone to vertically integrate into the medical system, the medical model, the vaccine, the masks, the social distancing, which really is isolation, which is really quarantining. You don't quarantine the healthy. You quarantine sick people that are guaranteed sick. You don't mask the, the healthy people. You mask the, the sick people. I mean, again, it's just but we've been living in that now forever and no one no one seems to want to talk about it it's just unbelievable so we're looking at the death of the healing arts industry by design okay which we'll get into more and more and more on the podcast the collapse of the medical industry so even mainstream medicine is killing themselves right what was happening more than ever during the pandemic the hospital capacity limit oh my goodness you know if if people had a heart attack or were suffocating by on food or something you know, there would just wouldn't even take them to the hospital in many cases. They would, oh, we're full. Oh, we can't. We're got infection and oh, COVID, you know. And it's like in some cases, most cases, the hospitals weren't even full. They were at normal flu levels. But guess what? Even the hospitals weren't seeing their normal patients. They weren't seeing, you know, lung cancer, heart cancer, heart diseases, diabetics. They weren't seeing their normal, uh, you know, clinical patients, you know, and these are just small time doctors, big time hospitals, everything in between. And that's why, if you remember us talking about this, that's why the getting a positive test for COVID was like between, depending on your state, you get in federal aid, you're getting 9,000 to 12,000 bucks a pop of positive test on COVID. So you're going to pump that PCR test, which that's how it works. You, you can pump up the sensitivity level on the test. You can virtually test anybody or anything. Okay. By the way, uh, like the Tanzanian president testing a papaya and a goat and they all came back positive. Okay. So you can, you can virtually turn the PCR test up the sensitivity level of it, test something and it turns out COVID positive. So with that being said, they were just diagnosing everybody. Even if you came in with a headache, even if you came in with anything with with a motorcycle accident, they tested you for COVID. Why? Because if you came out positive, that's $12,000 for the hospital, for the clinic, wherever you're at. And so then if you were actually sick, they were putting people on ventilators. Well, why is that? Well, the federal government came in and said, hey, we'll give you, we'll give you another $39,000 for the ventilator treatment even though it doesn't work, even though it's not effective, even though it p- puts people in a coma, basically. So they t- to put a breathing tube down, you can't, you're not alive anymore. You're literally in a comatose state and they put a breathing tube in there. That's, a, that's what a ventilator is. And again, so many people didn't even need that. But all that aside, okay, what do you expect hospitals to do? What do you expect clinics to do when you're not, they're not getting the regular patients they're used to, they're not seeing the, like I said, the heart diseases, the diabetics. They're not seeing any of that in their clinic, okay, because they're closed, because they they shunned everybody, which again, I'm not a, you know, I'm not terribly too sad about that. I mean, I think that the, the medical industry, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, their treatment uh, of whatever, whatever d- diagnosis is probably the wrong treatment to begin with, okay? So I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole right now. But let's just say that even the medical industry, the mainstream medicine, they're killing themselves, right? Because they couldn't see anybody because of COVID, right? And so COVID essentially destroyed even medical medicine. 
So your relationship with your doctor is just different now, right? It's just different. It's virtual doctors. It's it's all this BS, right? And again, it's all to collapse human connection, human connectivity, uh, and just to rebuild this infrastructure of technology on top of it, sort of like a, a you know, a, 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 oh my gosh, what's the reference I'm looking for? It's just a technological takeover is what it is, okay? Another part of this entire thing is, of course, I mentioned the the small business owner who's got a retail shop, selling clothes, you know, selling books, selling some, you know, things that are just, you know, small time stuff. Well, you know, they're all going out of business and Amazon is coming in with their, you know, trillion dollar company basically. And they're taking over all the market share for retail sales, whether you're buying highlighters or a fan or a heater or something, you know, small, big, technological or industrial, it doesn't matter. You're buying it on Amazon now. So Amazon essentially is totally taking over. Even Walmart in some case, it's competing against Walmart, you know? Um, and so, you know, again, I'm all for innovation, right? And so if Amazon can can deliver your packages, do it, do it great and stuff. I, I mean, I use Amazon sometimes. It's a great company. But to destroy small businesses that could do it better, right? That, that are down the street from you. You can walk into and talk to somebody, talk to the owner, get a real background on a specific product. And, and whatever happened to knowing what you're buying? I mean, you cannot sit here and tell me that you have not bought something off of Amazon that either didn't fit you or that it broke immediately or broke, you know, easily or it just wasn't a good product, you know? And you would have never known that if or you never knew that because you ordered it online. Whatever happened to remember those days when you used to try shit on at the store? Whatever happened to that? You know, does it fit you right? Does it look okay? Do you fit in it in a sense that do you like the fashion, right? That's a, that's all a part of the past now, you know? So that became a huge, huge issue, you know? And so when you top all of that off, you know, oh my gosh, love you, Sky. Just awesome. And so you top all this off, okay, with, she's just killing it with the comments. Um, the, the, the idea that once the small businesses are destroyed permanently, okay, the retail businesses especially, uh, retail giants like Costco and Sam's Club and Walmart and, you know, if you're in Texas, it's H-E-B. If you're in Colorado, it's Kroger slash King Supers or Safeway. Uh, and so what's going to happen is these large retailers will start to implement policies that are political, okay? And, and one of them to start with could actually be a mandatory vaccine. I've been talking about this for a long time. What about uh, big time traveling like airlines, you know, all these airlines uh, that are going to mandate vaccines? What if there's an airline that doesn't mandate vaccines and others do mandate vaccines? You realize the business opportunity here, right? If the government doesn't come in and regulate these companies to start uh, mandating vaccines, I guarantee you there will be one company or another that will not mandate vaccines, that will not mandate that you need to be vaccinated to go to their store, to shop with them, to buy from them, right? Um, so any think about that. Any in-person thing you do in, in the future, you'll need that vaccine passport, right? That includes, I even heard Eventbrite, I think, like Eventbrite, the app, you know, that app that like literally sells tickets to all your favorite concerts and, and, and theater shows and all that stuff. You know, they're actually going to, uh, they've talked about mandating vaccines. So you have to actually 
have a QR code through the app that you have to prove you're vaccinated so that you can buy the concert ticket. So again, there, you know, there are ways that they're trying to implement this on a mass scale. And so again, it all goes back to why small businesses more than ever. Okay. If you haven't gotten the message yet, more than ever, just have to stay open. They have to do it big, loud, and proud so that you are staying in the game. Do not shut your business down because you know, at the end of the day, this is all going to, you know, fade away and there's going to be this new system. Like I said, there's going to be these just all retail giants, all just Amazon and that's it, right? And there's not going to be anything else. And then from that point, once they're successful with that, that's when they start implementing, you know, oh, well, we, we're banning Dr. Seuss here. Oh, we're, we're, it's a consolidation of power because if Barnes and Noble is the only bookstore and Amazon is the only online bookstore, just give me an example here then Barnes & Noble and Amazon own the book market. Do you get what I'm saying? And that means that they can dictate what books are published or what books are sold, distributed to the the people. Think about that for a second. Whereas if you have a small bookstore in your local town, they can buy whatever books they want and sell whatever books they want. Does that make any sense? So what I'm telling you is that these large retailers are reorganizing the economy. This is what they're doing. They're using fascism. This is what fascism actually is. It's corporations, this corporatism uh, merging with government, using bureaucracy and using the, the, the political system to game it against the smaller guy. It's just classic crony capitalism and fascism. So if you want to fight fascism, real fascism, you would go to small businesses, you would support local farmers, you would do as much as you possibly could to realize and open your business if you have one, you would do anything you possibly could to realize that this is a destruction of your livelihood, of your lifestyle, and of the economy as we know it, okay? That's what it is. Well, how did we get here? Okay, oh, oh, I wanna make sure y'all understand this. There's also a rise in food prices. Take a look at your the, the, the food you buy every every week at the grocery store. I've been looking very closely at beef and milk and other dairy and other uh, products that are out there, consumables, including vegan items. And I've noticed that the prices of these items, these consumer goods are going up incrementally. Okay. Building materials right now are, uh, lumber is up 200%. If you, you basically, if you were to build a house today to buy the lumber, you'd be paying Double what you would normally, wait, quadruple what you would normally pay. Okay, think about that, guys, for a second. Nobody can build a house. What does that really mean, which I'll get to? It's the collapse of the US dollar. The dollar is is losing its buying power, okay? And so that's the next point I'm gonna bring up here is the death of the US dollar. You know, what we're witnessing now, like I said, the financial matrix emerges. Uh, the death of the US dollar is a part of this, this economic financial collapse. Like I said, it's going to be a long podcast, but I'm covering a lot of information. Yeah, gasoline prices clearly are going up. That's because of environmental policies that have been a lie ever since the beginning. We've fallen into that. Uh, But again, this is what I'm mentioning now. This is the importance of the podcast is for you to realize uh, where we're at. Okay, so let's uh, let's look at the, the history here. Okay, we have the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, okay, that established the Federal Reserve, which was a conglomerate of big banks, including Rothschilds, Rockefellers, uh, controlling interests by the Carnegies as well. Um, 
there's different combination there of banks that came together and created the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve, 1913, that is the bank that essentially prints money, okay? Uh, it prints the money that loans it to the United States government, to the United States Treasury. And then the U.S. taxpayers are going to, they have to pay that money back, even though the money isn't backed by anything, which I'm going to explain in a second. So at first, it was all backed by gold, right? And and that, that was the standard, right? Well, uh, on April 5th, 1933, Roosevelt ordered all gold coins and gold certificates in de uh, denominations of more than $100 turned in for other money. Check this out. It required all persons to deliver all gold coin, gold bullion, and gold certificates owned by them to the Federal Reserve, this is in 1933, by May 1st for the set price of $20 and 67 cents per ounce by May 10th. By the way, that's think about that for a second. $20 and 67 cents per ounce of gold. That's what it was worth back then. $20 per ounce guys. Do you realize that it's like $1,700 per ounce right now? I think it's more than that. Actually, I can't even remember the last time I checked the gold price. It's, it's more than that probably. Okay. So think about that. So this is 1933. By May 10th, the government had taken in $300 million of gold coin and $470 million of gold certificates. That's from the History Channel, okay? That's a quote from the History Channel, but explaining what, what's happening there. So look, Roosevelt, okay, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, this is the in 1930s, the, 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 the president that basically caused, if you will, and not caused, but the big banks did it. But they, during the, uh, the financial disaster, okay. Of the great depression, right. He basically got every, every American, he says, Hey, look, everyone's got to turn in their gold because we've got to count what, how much gold is in the U S so we can price the dollar. That's what they want. That's what they said. They said that they would, that eventually everybody would get, uh, get their gold back. Okay, I'm actually taking some zinc right now. Hold on. Ah. Just like that, under the tongue, super simple. Kills all of the uh, bacteria and, uh, you know, anything. Anyway, so we'll get, get to that in a second. But look, he turned in all your gold and he promised that he would give the gold back. Okay, he would give the gold back. So check this out, okay? Great book, Killing Uncle Sam, all right, by Pastor Rodney Brown. If you want to know what's happening to America, you just need to read this book, okay? Really. So let's see. $20.07 an ounce, like I said. Gold represented real wealth that could protect any country from financial collapse. For this reason, the gold reserves of the United States were stored under armed guard in a vault 86 feet beneath the first floor of the New York Federal Reserve Bank. By 1927, the vault, which was half the size of a football field, contained 10% of all the gold reserves in the world. Think about that. So we were this this wealthy country. We had all this gold, right? And eventually, like I said, Franklin Roosevelt, Executive Order 6102 was enacted. And that was on April 5th, 5th 1933. 
Roosevelt responded to the mountain mounting banking crisis by ordering all American citizens to surrender their gold to the government. Not no one in America was now allowed to own more than a hundred dollars in gold coins. Roosevelt assured the country the order is limited to the period of the emergency. How many times have we heard that about COVID-19? This order is limited to only the emergency. You see, authoritarianisms love emergencies. There's a famous quote by somebody, a politician says, never let a crisis go to waste. These politicians, these authoritarians, they love emergency powers. It is their it is, it is their frenzy of an idea to take over the, the world, to take over the country that they live in, that they're governing. It's, it's just, it's the way they've done it many, many times in the past. It's always through an emergency. That's why you hear about the climate emergency, the pandemic emergency. This is a national emergency. This is a state emergency. Oh, you hear all this stuff and it's like, well, where's the emergency? I don't know. They got to make it up for you. Okay. So that's what's happening here with a banking crisis. Okay. People were freaking out. So people, what happens is anytime the economy was going under, people would show up to the bank and they'd pull out their, their gold, not their money, their gold and their, and their silver and other precious metals. Why is that? Because that's real wealth. That's what they're storing in the bank. The bank is just giving them paper dollars that represents the amount of gold that they actually have in the bank. So when these, what happens is People would show up to the bank and ask for all their gold. And in many cases, the banks don't have the gold. This is called fractional reserve banking, which means that they take your gold, they give you cash money, okay, paper money. And then what they do with your gold is loan your gold to another client of the bank, whether it's a business or some corporation or just a, a personal loan, wherever that to, to another person. Then what happens is that person pays back that loan over a certain amount of years, right? So the, the bank continues to do that and they only have a fraction of gold that you actually gave to them. So if they've given you all this gold or you gave them gold, they use 90% they use of it essentially got to that point, guys. They use about 90% of your gold. They loaned it to other people. So when you came in, hey, 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 I need my gold back. I, I want to move banks or I want to get it out of here. The bank would say, well, we, we need you to wait a few days or we need you to wait a few weeks before we can get you your gold. You have to put a gold request here. And it's like, dude, you're the bank. I gave you my gold. I want it back right now. If Even if you went and did that with your cash today, in many cases, the bank doesn't even have enough cash on hand. If you were to go into the bank and say, hey, I need my $100,000 know, from my bank account, they would say, well, we need a few days, right? We can't just print all that cash for you. We can't just give it to you. We don't, they don't even have enough. So it still happens to this day, but it's even worse today. So the as the financial collapse happened, of course, Franklin Roosevelt, he just makes it worse by saying, oh yeah, we need to confiscate all the gold. Oh, it's just an emergency. Just an emergency, guys. Okay. But nine months later, this is exactly what's happening with COVID. Do you understand? Nine months later, Executive Order 6102 became a law. Think about that. It was called the Gold Reserve Act of 1934. The gold began to pour into the coffers, the coffers of the Federal Reserve Bank in Washington, D.C. Guards armed with machine guns oversaw the transportation of gold bullion and coins from national and state banks throughout the country. 
And he was quoted as saying, I am keeping my finger on the gold, Roosevelt announced to the press, and he did. The gold was that was confiscated and locked within the vaults of the Fed was never returned to the American people. I want you to think about that. And any citizen who kept their gold were called hoarders. Think about the stupidity of the public. This president requests all this gold. You have people who willingly gave their gold away. Their real wealth. Did you hear what I just said? They went and willingly gave their gold away. And anybody who kept their gold were called criminals. And they were arrested. And I believe it was, let's see. I want to say, I, I want to say it was, I want to say it was 10 years in federal prison if you were caught with, with more than $100 worth of gold. I want to say it was, it was 10 years in federal prison. So again, now you're wondering, well, well, I can buy gold today. This no, I, I, I hear gold chains, you know, the rappers are wearing a gold chains. Well, you know, yeah, you can buy gold today. Well, that happened, uh. I think it was under Nixon. He, he got us off the gold standard, but he also legalized uh, Americans buying gold. I think it was a trade-off there, okay? So I want you to really consider what I just told you. Think about that. All Americans were required to turn in their gold by executive order, okay? Remember all the executive orders? Remember how you heard Biden, 55 executive orders? Well, that's no big deal because that's just, you know, the executive branch you know, creating an order that's temporary that could be rescinded for the next, you know, the next president can rescind executive orders, you know, and say, hey, this executive order is null and void, doesn't matter anymore, I'm in charge, you know, we're done with this executive order. So a president can change executive orders that are already, that are on the books from the executive branch, right? Well, what happens is, you know, there's many cases where an executive order becomes a law, right? So, but it has to go through Congress. So literally the confiscation of gold went through Congress. And in the book, if you read this book and that's in the, in the chapter, it explains the congressmen and women who stood up and said this was the wrong, well, there was no women in Congress, I don't think at that time, but the, all the congressmen who stood up and said, hey, this is wrong. This is a scam. You know, this is a lie. They're, they're taking the gold. This is the wrong thing to do. I, there's no real reason for this. Our gold is fine. Our country's fine. We don't need to be doing this. Long-term, this is going to hurt the people, blah, 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 blah. This is exactly what's happening with COVID. Uh, it's just this, oh, it's all temporary, but then they're going to pass a law in Congress that gives, that ma that mandates vaccines, that, that mandates, you know, forces masks in public events, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be like that, guys. So you just watch. This is what's coming down the pike, okay? So now, uh, once this all happened, this was like during, uh, right after World War II, the U.S. dollar becomes the world reserve currency. So the expansion of the American empire under the global elite who own the Federal Reserve begins. This is all during or right after World War II. So later on, Nixon officially takes America off the gold standard uh, in 1971 from global pressures to do so. Here is what Thomas Paine, who was famous writer of the Common Sense, uh, which was published to ignite the fire of liberty, and the hearts of the American patriots that led to the American Revolution had to say about paper money and the gold standard. So this is, this is what Thomas Paine had to say. So this is not in the book Common Sense. But if you know anything about the American Revolution, you know that there was a book called Common Sense. And it was what really was written uh, that led to 
the the American Revolution because it was just like what Thomas Paine said, common sense. We have to we have to divorce ourselves from England, yada yada, right? Check this out. He says this: gold and silver are the emissions of nature. Paper is the emission of art. The value of gold and silver is ascertained by the quantity which nature has made in the earth. We cannot make that quantity more or less than it is. And therefore, the value being dependent upon the quantity depends not on man. Paper, considered as a material whereof to make money, has none of the requisite qualities in it. It is too plentiful and too easily come at, meaning printing money, right? It can be had anywhere and for a trifle, meaning for nothing, you know, it's just, it's, it's all over the place. Money, when considered as the fruit of many years industry, meaning many years hard work, you know, many, many years labor, as the reward of labor, sweat and toil, as the widow's dowry, meaning, you know, uh, what the widow gets if, if a husband dies, and children's portion, meaning, you know, if, if the father dies, it's, it's how wealth is distributed to the children, and as the means of procuring the, necess the necessities and alleviating the afflictions of life and making old age a scene of rest has something in it sacred that is not to be sported with or trusted to the airy bubble of paper currency. That's a loaded statement. What is he saying there? He's basically saying that money is sacred and it's a concept that is given to your children, that is given to your wife, and it is used to pay for the necessities that you need. It is used in many ways. It's, it alleviates the afflictions of life, meaning that it, it gives you pleasure, right? There's, there's pleasure, there's pleasantries you can get from money, okay? So the importance of money is, um, it's paramount, right? Wealth, okay, true wealth, as we know. Uh, and of course, this is just, you know, Today, be like, money's evil, blah, blah, blah. This is not the point of that. The point is how money is important. Okay, so it was horrid to see and hurtful to recollect how loose the principles of justice were left by means of the paper emissions during the war. So he's talking about Revolutionary War. Uh, he's talking about afterward, uh, how they were just so loose on the, the, the money, the money spending. The experience then had should, the experience then had, should be a warning to any assembly how they venture to open such a dangerous door again. So they were just basically requesting money and, and printing all this money to go into war debt to fight the war. And it was just, it, it was a ridiculous thing because it was the part of the spending was part of the nation crippling itself as soon as it started, right? And that's how the Rothschilds, you know, came in like vultures and loaned us our first national bank, Alexander Hamilton. I get into that in my book that I'm writing right now. But the evils of paper money have no end. It's uncertain and fluctuating value is continually awakening or creating new schemes of deceit. Every principle of justice is put to the rack and the bond of society dissolved. The suppression, therefore, of paper money might very properly have been put into the act of pre for preventing vice and immortality. So, 
Again, he's already hinting at paper money and how it creates evils, how it's it's an issue because it's inflation. It's, there's all these problems with it. As to the assumed authority of any assembly in making paper money or paper of any kind, a legal tender or in other language, a compulsive payment, meaning you can use this paper to, to somehow pay some kind of debt. It is a most presumptuous attempt at arbitrary power, meaning it's a takeover. It's a dictatorship. It's a way of saying, oh, yeah, you can use this useless money to pay off debts. You know, it's just it's not a way that's going to work. There can be no such power in a Republican government. The people have no freedom and property, no security where this practice can be acted. And the committee who shall bring in a report for this purpose or the member who moves for it and he who seconds it merits impeachment and sooner or later may expect it. What is he saying there? He's basically saying it's arbitrary power. Anybody who promotes this idea of printing money and inflation in, in any form of government, they should be impeached, right? We heard a lot about impeachment over the last couple months. But what he is saying is you should be impeached as a government official or a politician if you ever speak the word of using money as, as a paper currency and using it as inflation and using it with not a backing of gold, right? That's what Thomas Paine was saying uh, after the American Revolution. So this is in the 1780s, 1790s. That's the history of money in a brief, brief, brief summary in America, okay? So this is why the US dollar is gonna fail. So while you have that, going on, which is inflation and all of this and then, and, and the federal reserve bank and, and the printing of money. And, and, uh, and now you've got all these stimulus bills and, and, and universal income and all this, the money is going to be worthless. Okay. And let me explain why. So there's the subsequent rise of the Chinese yuan. Okay. The global elite, which is a Chinese currency, the global elite have been position, positioning China to be the world superpower. Okay. Uh, their currency is in the running to become the world's reserve currency to replace the dollar. So China has all the real wealth now, right? China has all the real wealth because they've been actually producing things. They've been actually making consumable goods. They actually trade valuable goods. They actually have access to all of their energy. They are taking, they're building a coal plant every week and we're over here playing with our dicks on whether or not global warming is a reality and whether we should be infringing uh, ludicrous environmental policies on our energy production in this country. So while we play with our dicks on energy, China is making a new coal plant every single week. And so we just don't know what to do. And I'm not saying that, you know, do, the way China is doing it is the best way because they're doing dirty coal. And we have in Texas, especially all it is, is carbon dioxide and water vapor that burns out of that, that coal, the coal mine, because they've got it down to a science. It's what's wonderful over there. You know, but then they make carbon dioxide a poison when that is what plants breathe. So again, carbon monoxide, those are different things. Play on words makes you confused, okay? And that's what we've been dealing with. So with Joe Biden as our fake president, you know, the unconstitutional guy in there, you know, his policies are ensuring Chinese domination of the energy market now that we are shutting our coal plants down, okay? That's what's happening now. We are, we are doing this to ourselves, okay? And that's what this bureaucracy is doing. But it's it's not it's it's not a it's there's no real people that believe in the environmental thing and, and as politicians they're not they're looking at they're trying to destroy the country you get it like this country is they're trying to gut the country okay and so people need to wake up and realize the truth behind the matter okay 
So I was going to get into a whole article. I'm going to post this article. Uh, it's from Forbes. Super interesting, super fascinating. And it's about the new Cold War. And I'm not going to read it to you all. I'm going to read this portion of it, but it's, it's, it's interesting. It's just about China's takeover. And I'll post it in the link in the bio or, or the link, not in the bio, but I'll post it in the link in the, uh, in the description. And, and my Facebook video. If y'all are watching on Facebook, I'll, I'll post it there. So there is that aspect of it. I just want y'all to actually know that, just know the Chinese threat. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just understand the Chinese threat. And it'll it'll explain to you a little bit how the Chinese currency is basically going to overtake the American dollar here very soon. Uh, and I'm going to tell you how to get out of that. So China is building all consumer products, including very important products like medical equipment. Remember hearing about that? You know that China makes over 90% of pharmaceutical products for America. So think about that. So there's big pharma, right? Which is already just a whole nother conversation. But then just think about this. All of big or most of big pharma, like a super majority of it is made in China. The pills that you're popping, they're made in China. The worst country, arguably, uh, on a mass scale in the world. Okay. They make our pharmaceutical drugs and sell them to us. I'm not a fan of pharmaceutical drugs, but think about the supply chain threat that is to this country. People rely on pharmaceuticals. If China one day were to just stop sending pharmaceuticals, declare a war on us, that alone would destroy this country because so many people rely on pharmaceutical drugs to even live their life. Okay. And they're all made in China. Okay. Including some nutritional products, by the way, of course, Longevity, the stuff I promote, not made in China, so made in Utah. Anyway, moving on. But think about that, okay? They also have industrial equipment. I mean, they are building everything. Everything around us is built in China. But I want you to think about the the power economically that building a product even has, like building a car or building a, a speaker system. I mean, anything, an electronic system, building a webcam that I'm that I'm recording on right now building a light bulb, um, you know, manufacturing stuff. I mean, that's a power because you're actually putting together a product, you know, and the thing was that the, uh, that America has a bunch of raw materials and the British, but back before the American revolution, the Americans were, uh, when they were getting taxed on British tea and especially paper, if you remember, they were taxing paper, uh, the stamp act and all this stuff. Well, the Americans were smart. They were just basically boycotting British goods. They were like, well, we're not going to buy the British goods. We're just going to start learning how to make our own goods. And that is what caused the American Revolution because the British were realizing they had they had, they, they had loosened their grip on power because the Americans were figuring out how to just build their own candles, make their own products, the, the, the products that they needed, the staple products especially. America was just building it on their own. They started having plants and stuff. That's why Boston was this super patriotic city because Boston was this like make it, do it yourself type shit. And that Boston Tea Party, remember they were dumping the tea in the river or the, or the, the bay. That's all in Boston. Boston originated some of those uh, those ideas for the for the economy and, and how important it was to produce our own products, to boycott the British goods, to never rely on foreign goods, to always go domestic when it comes to building ourselves up. And this is how America was. You know, we built our own systems. We had our own products. We manufactured everything here, and we became the superpower in the world because we had not just the raw materials 
to build stuff, the lumber, the coal, uh, the minerals, the copper, the iron, the steel. I mean, we have all these raw materials that are that are used to put together products, right? Uh, but we also have the, the the labor, we have the manufacturing, we have the engineering, we have the ingenuity, we have all of that to actually build our own products. So we have our own materials and we have our own building our own products. So now that we've shipped all of our manufacturing, okay, think about that. You remember, manufacturing jobs are gone. Oh, that's just this, oh, learn how to code, blah, 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 right? Oh, okay, let's just totally forget about the fact that how important making your own shit is. And don't take it from me, just think about growing your own garden. I want you to take collectivism and you, everyone thinks of things so grand scale. I want you to think more individually. What is it better to make your own, have your own eggs from your own chickens? Well, you know, yeah, if you can, if you can do that and have your own chickens, yeah, of course it would be better than having to go to the grocery store, right? To rely on a grocery store for your eggs, right? Okay. Well, what about growing your own food? Oh, well, that would be also extremely beneficial. Wow. That's self-reliance. Wow. Look at you. You're, you're growing your own garden. How amazing is that? How about, um, Living by a creek, having your own source of water, or even having your own well. Remember those back in the day? They used to dig wells, by the way. So imagine having your own source to fresh water. Wouldn't you say that's a little bit better than relying on water bottles from the store or, God forbid, the city water, you know? And everybody learned about that, right? Shutting off the, the water in Texas. How does that feel? You know, you don't even live by a creek. You don't even know how to be resourceful. You're, 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 you're a slave, you know what I mean? And I'm not, I don't live by a creek, so I'd be the same way. The point is, is we're slaves, you know what I mean? We don't even live by our own water sources. So I want you to just think about it individually. What if you could make your own thing? What if you made your own honey? What if you made your own, you know, alcohol? What if you made your own wine? What if you made, what if you did something on your own? You're like, wow, I have, an, I have an infinite amount. What if you, you know, what if you grew your own weed, right? And you'd have a bunch of it, right? Get stoned all the time, you know, unlimited supply, more than you'd ever need, right? more than you could ever use, honestly. That's how much, I mean, a couple of plants, you're, you're, you're chilling, okay? Your harvest would be endless. You, you, you'd have so much, you couldn't even smoke it all uh, or use it or, or eat it. So my point is, is like when you have your own stuff, you're more powerful. You get more, more choices. You get it? You can help your neighbor get some water. If you've got access to water, you can help a neighbor. You become more resourceful. You become more abundant, okay? So take that individual thought. Now bring it grand scale. America doesn't make anything. We have all the materials to do it, we, we, we have all the materials to do it, and I'll get to that in a second, but now we don't make anything, right? So, so we've shipped off all our ability to make stuff into China and other places. So now it's almost like our people, we don't even know what productive jobs are. All we know how to do is work at a desk job and work on analytics or work, you know, work behind, work, work at a, what's the word I'm looking for? Raw material jobs, which is like farming, agriculture, things like that. And uh, that's what runs our economy now. We're service-based jobs. We're bartenders, lots of servers. You know, our cities are built on sand now. Do you get it? Our economy is built on sand. There's not even a real economy. You understand? Productive jobs are when you go to work and you build a car. You know, Elon Musk was on Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, this was like this, not, not this previous time, but like another time before that. He basically said something, something really simple. He's like, he's like, yeah, I, I build my cars in America. He says, you know, Building a car is a really proud job. Like you go to work and you're actually building a car. You're building, you're part of a process that is ultimately going to build a vehicle. You know, that used to be a really, uh, a really proud job to have, you know, when you're actually building a car. And, that, and that's, that's why I, I love hiring people. I love hiring Americans and just, just had a really good thing to say. And I thought about that for a second. I'm like, 
yeah, like we don't build shit here. We don't even build our own light bulbs. Our own, like, I'm looking around at all this stuff right now in my room, but we don't even build our own marker boards here. You know what I mean? It's all made in China or India or Thailand or we just outsourced our ability to build and create. So what does that do to our economy? Well, it puts us in a vulnerable position because we rely on these other countries because all of even American companies that actually make stuff, they make it in other countries because there's no, there's not even a process. There's not, the process has become eliminated. Then on top of that, you have the environmentalism taking over, trying to get us to stop even getting to our own raw materials like coal, right? Our sources of energy like oil, you know? And trying to infringe on Americans' rights to their own resources, okay? So that's been the major issue going into the, the really this, this last decade. And this is why sort of the populism of if sovereignty and, you know, you know, you know, really having closed borders, control on who comes into the country, control on our jobs, bringing our jobs back. Like, what does that actually mean? Now you understand it. It literally means our working, you know, class, our, our working men and women who actually build stuff so that we can actually create wealth as a nation. Because if we build stuff here using our raw materials that we have access to, using the labor that we can put things together and we merge those two concepts and we start to create products and then, oh my gosh, think about this. This is really stretch, which is not really a stretch. This is how America worked back in the day. This is how we got so wealthy. But what if we could create products? Holy shit. And then send them out to other countries through trade and have other countries buy them from us because of our ingenuity, because of our commitment to excellence, because of our free market competition, making the best product possible and therefore selling the best product possible, giving other nations the choice to pick between which company they buy from in America and which ones they don't. What if America could be like that? Well, I will tell you that America used to be like that. We used to build our own things and it wasn't really... It was all throughout the 1800s and we, we, we got hurt with the Federal Reserve and the banking system and the creditors picking and choosing the losers and the winners. And then after World War II, we were this industrious nation because Europe was fallen and broken and torn apart through war. So we had this sort of a, sort of a leap up, right? And then the, the policies of the 60s and the big wars and the Vietnam War and all these different, you know, globalist policies just slowly but surely destroyed America and the 1970s, the shipping of our of all of our trade over to China, yada, yada, yada. That's the history of where we're at, okay? And I'm just telling you all of this because, guys, the U.S. dollar is failing. The U.S. dollar's buying power is now completely collapsed. People are thinking by at least 2022 that the buying power of the, of the U.S. dollar is almost going to be completely irrelevant. Think about that, guys. The money in your savings account right now is not worth shit if the U.S. dollar loses its power. And what it would look like is one day, okay, one day, you know, people are, uh, they're going to, our country is going to get a bunch of U.S. dollars back into our treasury, right? We're going to get all this, all these countries like China and Russia and India and Iran and others are going to basically just send back our own money and back to our treasury. And then we're all going to wake up. Oh, we're going to be filthy rich, right? But guess what? They're going to be moving on to a different currency. 
They're going to be moving on to a different currency. A different world currency is going to be decided on. What does that mean for us? That means that our US dollar, even as a nation, isn't worth shit. It basically means that our buying power isn't worth anything. What happens if our buying power isn't worth anything? Well, we end up collapsing as a country because oh, we have no jobs. We have no productivity. We don't create our own thing. We have all the environmentalists shutting down our production and our, our all kinds of other raw material production. We have no future. We're collapsed as a country. And now we don't have, we don't even have the, we don't even have the money to buy anything because the Federal Reserve Bank gave, sold us this lie over the last 112 years that it's okay to just print a bunch of money and just use it as the world reserve currency. The only thing holding on to America or having America hold on to its last gasp of air is the fact that the US dollar is the world reserve currency. If that ever were to change, the world reserve currency could be something else. Regardless of what it is, the US dollar would be worth nothing. And so what is in your bank account, the reason why lumber is so expensive and consumable goods are expensive and, and the price of food is going up and the price of all these other industrial products are going up is because the US dollar buying power is losing its value. And so the only thing that's going to have value in the future is going to be precious metals and cryptocurrencies. And then of course, whichever the, the next global currency is going to be, that's going to be the currency be used to trade with. And so I need you to understand this, that America's power is our US currency. You know, we sanction uh, countries using that power. That's our ability to use for foreign affairs. What are we doing to Iran? We're sanctioning Iran. What does that actually mean? We're stopping Iran from getting trade that they desperately need, right? That's our way of not going to war, but then doing economic warfare. We're like, well, we're the U.S. currency. We're the world's reserve currency. So we're going to tell Iran that you can't trade and you can't use U.S. dollars to trade with. You have to trade with, you know, whatever country's willing to accept only your currency. And of course, guys, uh, that's a limited amount of countries because they, if they trade with the, the Iranian currency, what's the Iranian currency worth in another country? It's not worth shit. They have to just keep buying Iranian products or something else like that, right? So at the end of the day, they're going to end up saying, hey, look, we can't trade with you, Iran. We're sorry. We, we've got all these resources for you, but we need U.S. dollars, you know, because that's the world reserve currency. That's, that's the medium of exchange on the planet. If we get U.S. dollars from you, then we can give you our resources, whatever you need, whether it's, you know, some kind of consumables or medical equipment, whatever we need. We'll trade it to your country, but we can use the U.S. dollar to then buy other goods we might need, right? Or save it, whatever. That's what they do with the U.S. dollar right now. So our ability to sanction and, and leverage our powers economically over the world would collapse. Nobody would care about America because America's only thing is the currency. So if somebody else like the Chinese yuan or another currency like crypto, any Bitcoin or something becomes the world reserve currency, well then well, how much does America own of that? I don't know. The, the politicians are so old. They think cryptocurrency is a joke. They have no idea that this money printing system even works the way it does. Most politicians, I'll say it right now, you're probably smarter, more intelligent than most politicians. And so at the end of the day, What's going to happen when that world reserve currency collapses? Well, look, I mean, your ability to buy stuff is going to collapse. You, America's ability to buy stuff is going to collapse. So you, the price of lumber, the price of food, it will skyrocket, guys, because it will match our inflation numbers. So our, that's what's happening in Venezuela where, you know, a, a burger or, or a, a, what is it? I think I saw it was like a, 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 a piece of chicken, like a whole, a whole chicken. I think it was worth like 17,000 
Venezuelan dollars. I forgot what they're called. They're called something else. But they're they're it's worth seventeen thousand. It's like why is a little chicken worth seventeen thousand? It's worth like you know three forty nine at the at the at the grocery store down the street. Well, that's what our that's what our uh, currency is going to look like. You're going to go to the grocery store and every like a pound of ch- a pound of beef is going to be you know one hundred and forty eight dollars or something. You know you're going to be looking at this stuff like, well, why why is this so expensive? Because the U S dollar has no value anymore. So how do you solve this crisis? And this is what you're all been waiting for, okay? Because look, I mean, we're an hour and 20 minutes into this and you're still listening, which I thank you for that. But what's most important is how do we solve it? How do we get out of this? Well, I would say the first thing, if you don't already have this, is to buy precious metals. You know, gold and silver are precious metals. I will, I will put in, there's a couple, you know, there's a couple different places, but I will put in the, pa- the Patriot Trading Group uh, website to go get the gold coins. I think they have the best prices. Gold coins, you know, uh, silver rolls of silver dollars, all that stuff, guys. You need to change those dollars that are sitting in your savings account right now. You need to acknowledge that during a real financial collapse, those US dollars are not going to be worth anything. The only thing that are, is going to be worth anything is precious metals, okay? So I want you to imagine instead of you being imagine the, the, the pound of beef I just told you. What if a pound of beef was $148, okay? And you only have $1,000 saved up in your little savings account for an emergency, right? Well, what if that emergency was the collapse of the dollar? And now all of the, the regular consumable goods in your area are worth 10, 20, 30, 40 times more than they were the day before. Well, what would you do? Well, guess what else was inflating in, in value? Silver, gold, right? So if you had actual gold, $1,000 worth of gold, let's say, just hypothetically, if you had $1,000 worth of gold, you could, if you needed to, you can take this gold and exchange it for a US currency, right? But the, instead of $1,000 worth, okay, guess what else is going to be inflated? Gold, precious metals, silver. So if you take that that gold and you go to a gold dealer and they give you the money, the cash money, what it's worth, it, what if it's worth, instead of $1,000, it's worth 10000 So even though that sounds like, you know, again, you're just buying into the fiat system again and you're giving away your precious gold. Well, at least you're able to give your precious gold away and you got $10,000 out of what used to be $1,000, right? Now you can go buy the, you know, your groceries, your beef, $149 worth of beef, whatever, even though 10,000 seems like a lot to you right now, 10,000 in that world of that, that economy, that, that, you know, wherever that would be, where the, where the price is inflated of all these consumer goods. Well, at least you can go and spend and survive, you know, and buy stuff that you need. Right. And so I'm telling you this now because you need precious metals. You just need to hold on to precious metals. It's just so important. And if you need to find a website to go to, I'm going to put that in the description below as well. The Patriot Trading Group. I think that they're good. I don't, I'm not a sponsor or anything like that, but it's just a place I think is a good place. I buy their, buy my gold and silver from there. Um, okay, let's move on to the next thing. What else can you put your money in right now that has long-term value? Well, I would say if you have to, or if you can, I would say buy land. Land is a valuable resource. Let me tell you why. I mean, Bill Gates is buying up all the farming land. He owns now, he owns all the farming land. He has, he has a majority of the farming land in America through different you know companies and stuff, of course. He owns the majority of America's farming land. Okay, not the majority of the farming land. What am I trying to say? He's the single, uh, he's the single largest owner of land currently. Bill Gates. Okay, why do you think he's buying land? I mean, you know, why doesn't he just keep the money in the bank? Because he knows what's coming. 
If he keeps the money in the bank liquid, I understand you do have to keep some liquid in the bank, obviously, to, 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 to transact every day. But why is Bill Gates, why doesn't he just keep the, the $1 billion or $2 billion worth of land? Why didn't he just keep that liquid cash in the bank? Why, why does he have to buy all the land? Because he's buying what's resourceful. He's buying real wealth. Real wealth is land, precious metals, and, uh, well, a number of different things. But one thing would be, the next thing, is cryptocurrencies. Some people would say that's not real wealth. You know, well, again, the cryptocurrency, the system, I'm going to do a whole podcast on cryptocurrencies because people need to understand this, the, the, the technology that goes into blockchain and the understanding of blockchain will get you to realize the power of Bitcoin, the power of cryptocurrencies, because it's a, it's a limited in supply and it's a secure way to have money. Okay. It's a secure transaction. So that's the future is getting into crypto. So I'm actually going to do the most, most important thing. I will be putting a link to the Coinbase that I use. So you can get some free Bitcoin using, if you download it from my link, I'll put my affiliate link there. Uh, I'm not a Coinbase affiliate. I'm just saying it's like share your code with people. I'm going to put my link in the description. Uh, and I think, which is even better than Coinbase. I think Coinbase is very mainstream. You can just use it to buy some stuff. And then if you want to get Coinbase Pro, you can use it to trade. Uh, so I'll put both in the description below. Uh, but what's another thing is Voyager. It's another app. Uh, Voyager has no fees, okay? Or if they're fees, they're very tiny fees to trade, to buy. Uh, so again, highly recommend you doing that if you're interested. So definitely, um, definitely look into doing that because if you end up uh, getting involved in that in uh, Voyager, for example, download the app, you'll be on the waiting list, and if you invest $100 in a Bitcoin on the Voyager app, you will get $25 of Bitcoin for free. I'm not even kidding. I just did it today. Uh, I got it. I got the Voyager app from a friend and uh, it's way better. There's a waiting list because it's so popular in demand now because it's got zero fees. You can buy whatever you need and do whatever. And guys, you need to put your money, your liquid money that you have that's that's just honestly in a savings account that's not doing anything right now, guys. You need to be buying cryptocurrencies. You need, especially I would say, just buy Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin is probably the most important. People can argue this all day, Ethereum and all that. But I'm just telling you guys, Bitcoin is the most stable coin. You might as well just buy some. You know it's gonna be around for a while. And guess what? When the dollar collapses, the Bitcoin is going to be worth so much money. It's, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to be so thankful that you bought Bitcoin because unlike gold and silver, guys, this is what I'll say about cryptocurrencies. They are going to be trend, more transactable in the future. Okay, They're going to be more transactable. What do I mean by that? I mean that you can use your wallet, your, your cryptocurrency wallet to actually buy stuff in this collapse of the economy that's coming the financial collapse you if you own crypto you will at least be able to buy using that currency why because somebody who's supplying you with that food or with the item that you need the consumer good that you need they will be accepting cryptocurrency because the u.s dollar is going to be not even valuable anymore so when they when they when they end up accepting cryptocurrency that's how you know you've got the ability to grow because now it's like, okay, I have cryptocurrency. This person's accepting it. 
I can use my my wallet, my e-wallet basically to buy the things that I need. And then of course, hopefully if you buy so much Bitcoin, you'll be able to buy the things that you want and still exist in the economy the way you did before with the dollars, but now you're just going to exist in cryptocurrencies. Again, it's a whole new world. So I'm not sure even how that's going to look. It's going to, it's going to, people will die in the financial collapse. More people will die from a financial collapse than would ever have died in this COVID-19 pandemic. So I want you to consider all of that going forward and realize that this is the future. And those are some of those solutions to the issues that are at hand. I'm also going to get into starting your own home-based business. I'll be making a whole nother podcast about that, but mainly the cryptocurrencies wanted to give you that and the buying of precious metals. That's more long-term investment, guys. You want to buy precious metals, uh, gold and silver especially. Um, And then, yeah, just keep investing. So I'm going to post all these links in the description of the podcast so that you guys can get get way ahead on everybody. Even if you do buy some crypto and even if you do buy some precious metals, you need to buy more, okay? You need to buy even more. And if you don't have the Voyager app yet for cryptocurrency buyers out there who love cryptocurrency, dude, use my link. Let's both get $25 in the Bitcoin. Uh, so if you, if you invest 100 bucks, so get the Voyager app, Get Coinbase if you don't have it. If you're new to everything and you really don't even know what's going on and you don't have cryptocurrency and you're listening to this and you don't own any gold or precious metals, I'm telling you right now that you need to step up and you need to get on this and you need to take the links that I'm posting in this description very, very seriously, okay? So I'm gonna be posting the products in there to get yourself healthy, be a health warrior, guys. We are in a war. Sure, COVID, yeah, but even more importantly is diseases and illness and weakness. You cannot afford to be weak anymore. You are now a health warrior. You need to start becoming healthier, period. Regardless of COVID, regardless of lockdowns, regardless of all of it, you must start being healthier, period. Moving on, you must be wealthier, You cannot just sit here and watch what's going on and sit on your hands and just realize, oh, you know, whatever happens, happens. It's all good, whatever. No, you need to take actions. You need to prepare for anything. And especially those in Texas already know what that means. Water, food, all of this stuff, gasoline, storable, all this stuff. So very, very important. Uh, Just wanted to share all that with you guys. Absolutely enjoyed uh, sharing this and talking to all of you. Please let me know. Leave a review, a positive review on the the app if you can. Uh, But also text me, call me, message me, Instagram, Facebook, anything uh, counts. So for me. Uh, which, you know, that's how I connect with you guys. So if you're listening this far, especially, let me know you're listening this far. You know, I'd love to hear from you. I mean, you've already heard this whole thing. So really appreciate that. So again, just, I can't, uh, I can't explain how grateful I, I am for all of you listening and the tuning in. There's so much more I'm doing. I'm writing a book. I'm, I'm creating stuff so that I can even hopefully benefit your lives even more. So we will get that going and uh, just, you know, Excited for the future. So you guys have a great rest of your day. Peace.